Good morning. It's nice to see everybody here today. Marcus one-upping my announcement videos by coming to you live from the auto show. Next week, I'm going to be like top of Tower City. Check it out, Polaris. <laughs> Bible studies canceled. Adam fell off Tower City. No, it's awesome. Uh, again, my name's Adam McMahon. I'm the Connections Pastor here. And uh, if you're new or visiting, welcome. I hope you feel welcome here, like you're part of the family. And uh, hot take here, if you've been coming for 20 years, we're glad you're here too, okay? We love you just as much, and we wouldn't be who we are without you, so thank you for being here. Uh, we wrapped up a series last week, a long series, about seven weeks of really who we are as a church called First Things First. And I would highly recommend that if you missed one of those sermons to go back online or through the app and listen to the podcast, or now we actually have video so you can see us in all of our glory, if that's your thing, uh, and, and check out those sermons because it really speaks to who we are as a church and that we are all about growing friendships with Jesus, that, that that's the treasure of life, that that we eat together and we do life together in community at a table because that's what Jesus did and that's how he was so inclusive of everybody and that we're called to represent the brand of Christianity by carrying that towel and serving and rolling our sleeves up and helping out in the community. So again, if you missed that, go back and check it out. But I'm happy to say we're out of that series and we're starting a brand new one today called Regaining Your Life and I'm happy to kick us off today. Regaining your life. We all want control of the things happening in our life, but we're going to learn today that Christianity kind of challenges the narrative a little bit when it comes to control over things in our life. And it's really countercultural, it's really counterintuitive, but we're going to see that Jesus challenges us to give it away, lose our life in order that we can gain it. So I'm going to ask all of you to reach under the chair in front of you. You'll find a Bible. I want to direct you to Luke chapter 17, and that's going to be found on page 1050. You can check that out on page 1050. We like everybody to participate just because if somebody's new and learning how to navigate Scripture, they don't feel like they're all by themselves. Let's all get there together. Page 1050, Luke 17. And we're going to read verse 33 together. This is going to be the foundational scripture for this entire series. It's on the bottom of the right-hand side, Luke 17, 33. Jesus says this, Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life will preserve it. It's counter to everything that we've ever been told, right? We pursue happiness, and we pursue financial security, and we pursue fame and fortune and, and success and all that stuff, and once we get there, we, we grab hold of it. That's ours, and we hang tight to it, and we protect it because we don't want to lose it, but Jesus is saying, no, no, if you want life with me, you have to lose that stuff in order to gain the life that I have for you. But Jesus isn't telling you to be sloppy with it, okay? He's not saying just give it away and lose it like you and I would lose our car keys or lose your wallet. He wants you to steward it. He wants you to be a good steward of the things that he's given you. And today we're gonna begin this series on stewardship by talking about the talents that we've been entrusted with 
and looking at them through the lens of how Jesus says to lose those talents. Now, before we get too far down the rabbit hole here together, I want to start with a question. Have you ever seen anybody with incredible talent just completely waste it? Browns fans? Okay, a lot, a lot of us. Rosters full of people, right, that we can name. Uh, Netflix has this documentary about Johnny Manziel. Remember Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football? The kid was just electric. He was electric, very talented, but he talks about like how he just never really cared enough to study or memorize plays, or, and then we're all like, well, yeah, we saw, right? We saw the outcome of that. But maybe you're not a football person, so like, what if Picasso never picked up a paintbrush, or if Mozart never picked up a composer's baton? What if Abraham Lincoln never ran for public office? Or John D. Rockefeller never started a business. The world would be a much different place. What if Alex Poindexter never said yes to God to plant Polaris Christian Church? Where would you be this morning? It's a question that I ask because each of us has been entrusted with some sort of talent. Okay, and we're going to dig into that today, knowing that when we invest our talent, God's going to use it for his glory and for his kingdom. Now, stewardship is a very Bible-y word, I think. I don't know that I've heard that word outside of the four walls of church um, or in the Bible, but I want to define it for you so we all are on the same page. Stewardship is the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Careful, responsible management. It just, like, those words don't go with lose it, Right? It just seems counterintuitive to me that Jesus is asking us to entrust the things he's giving to us by losing them, but losing them for his sake. And so again, in thinking about what you've been gifted from a talent standpoint, I wanted to spend some time today working through some excuses that have come across my desk in my own life before I take the stage or before I make a phone call, some of those things that go through my brain that try to say, hide your talent, don't use that. And the first of the excuses that I've found is sometimes I'm insecure, right? Sometimes we can be fearful that if we step out onto a platform or we step out and we are vulnerable and we're going to do what we feel we're good at in front of somebody, guess what? We might fail. We might mess up, but I want you to know that stewardship in Jesus' kingdom, the fear of failing is not an excuse not to take action. And there is a passage of scripture that I have found to be kind of the flagship passage for stewardship in scripture, and it's found in Matthew chapter 25. It's a parable. Jesus is talking to his people, and he says, you know, there was this businessman who went away for a business trip. But before he left, he brought his three servants, his best three servants forward, and he gave them each something to watch over as he was gone. The story says that the first servant he gave five bags of gold to, and I'm just going to use the word talent today. We're going to bridge that gap, and we're going to use the word talent, but he gave five talents to the first servant. And to the second servant, he gave two talents. And then the last servant, he gave one talent. 
Now, I want you today to, to realize it's not about how many that you've been given. It's that simply you have been given something. And so the master, the, the businessman, goes away. And the person that was given five talents, he goes out probably to like America's Got Talent or America's Idol, American Idol, and he, he used his talents, right? And he got all the success back. He actually doubled up. He went from five to ten. The one that had two talents, he went out, and he probably was just playing local gigs, you know, just local gigs. But he doubled up too, and he, he came back with four talents. And then that final servant, he actually did nothing because he knew that his master was kind of harsh, and so he decided to hide it. He didn't want to He didn't want to lose it. He didn't want to lose his talent. So look at this exchange that we see between the businessman and the servant who was gifted with one talent. It says in Matthew 25, verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold, take the talent from him, and give it to the one who has ten. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That seems like a very, very harsh penalty for somebody who was probably not doing anything malicious. He was hiding it because he cared about what he was given. He wanted to protect it. He wanted to take care of what he was given. But we learn from this parable that that Jesus doesn't want you to hide what you've been given for fear of failure. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to give it back to him so that he can be successful in reaching other people with the gifts that you have been entrusted with. It's not about how much you've been given, it's that you have been giving, given something, and insecurity about failing is not a worthy excuse for the kingdom of God. Think back to what Jesus said, right? He said, lose it. Lose your life to gain it. This servant hid it for fear of losing it. Don't hide your talent out of fear. Invest it in Jesus' kingdom. Okay, and so maybe it's not a fear-driven motive that keeps you on the sideline, right? Maybe you're like, I'm, I, ain't, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. I'll do it. I'll do that. I ain't scared. It's just, it's just the thing is, you know, I'm no good. I'm not worthy to walk in. G- I can't step foot in a church lest the building be struck by lightning. I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. This Christianity thing's not for me. I'm a good person, but I can't use what I've got for Jesus. Jesus doesn't want anything to do with me. And I want everyone in here to know, including myself, and remember, these are things that I've battled before I get up here on stage, and I take 30 minutes of your week. These are things that I go through. And so maybe you relate, maybe you don't. You'll be out of here in 20 minutes. You are inadequate on your own. What you have is not good enough to feed anybody, to do anything of magnitude for Jesus. But what Jesus has is enough for everybody. And when we give him the little bit that we have, we're gonna find out that it's enough for everybody. So your inadequacies, 
You're also not alone in that situation. I want to direct you to Peter. Many of you know Peter. He's one of the disciples of Jesus. But before he was a disciple, he was a fisherman. A good one. A really, really good fisherman. And he had like just the worst night ever out there on the sea. And this is where he meets Jesus. And I don't know what, I don't know about you. But if you try something that you're typically good at and you're just having poor success and somebody comes up to you like, hey, try it this way, I'm usually pretty shut off by that. Like, eh, nobody asked you, pal. Okay? So Peter is out fishing all night. This is what he does. Like, he is a fisherman. And he comes back, he's empty, empty-handed, empty nets. And Jesus is like, hey, man, let's go out for a catch. And he's like, I, we just spent all night. We did all night doing it. There's nothing out there to catch. But for some reason, Pete sheds his ego, sheds his pride, and he invites Jesus onto his boat. And they go out again, and they do the same thing, except with Jesus on their side. And they bring in such a catch that even their friends have to come help, reel in everything that they've caught. And check out this interaction in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. It says this, When Simon Peter saw this, He fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. The inadequacy. I can't be used. Jesus, don't bless me with that kind of stuff. You don't know who I am. You don't know where I've been. You don't know the skeletons in my past, in my closet. Surely you can't use anybody like me. Go away from me. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners, who later became disciples of Jesus. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. You know, some of us sit on the sidelines from serving Jesus because we know who we are. We know our past. We know our struggles We know the things that the enemy uses and dangles in front of us to keep us from using the talents that God has given us to bring somebody else closer. We know we've got a lot of personal spiritual growth we've got to work on before we can start helping others. But in the kingdom of God, there's no theology degree requirement, no prerequisite to help the person behind you to the next step in their walk with Christ. You see, Peter was doing what he did best. He wasn't out searching to preach to anybody or to like help anybody out. He was just out doing what he did. That was his job. He was fishing, and he had a bad night, and then he was given some instruction by Jesus to try again and was overwhelmed by his successes. So I ask you, you know, maybe you don't look at it as talent, but what do you do for work? What's your occupation? Because this interaction shows us that There's room in Jesus' kingdom for the fisherman. There's room for the accountant. There's room for the baker. There's room for the banker. There's room for the guy that's going to take my tax money in a couple months. There's room for everybody in Jesus' kingdom. And if you'll give him the opportunity to let him retool or repurpose what you're good at for his glory, you'll be amazed at the abundance of the catch. And there seems to be this theme that's happening, right? Like the one with five invested and doubled up to ten. And the one with two invested and doubled up to four. And then Peter, who had no success at all but 
surrendered his pride and his ego and did what he was good at, but invited Jesus onto his boat, had such a catch that even his friends had to come help and became followers. You could tell Jesus that I'm too inadequate. I'm a sinful person. But he's called you with purpose, on purpose, and he has something for you to do. There's places for you to serve here at Polaris. And if there's not, I'm the connections guy. Let me know. I'm connected. I'll get you plugged in where you need to go. And if that doesn't exist just yet, don't let that stop you. Maybe we're missing something. But I would love to talk to you about how you feel God calling you to serve in the church and in the community with the skills that you've been entrusted with. All right, so maybe it's not insecurity and maybe it's not inadequacy. Maybe it's this insufficiency. Like, I'm not scared. I know I'm, I'm kind of good at this. I just don't have enough for everybody. Like, there's no way that what I can do will make a dent in the kingdom or in the needs of those who need it most. And this is something, again, that I relate to immensely. I don't feel like what I have is enough to, to feed everybody. But there is a passage of scripture in the Gospel of Matthew that Alex kind of stepped on a little bit last week, but it's all right. We salvaged it. We're still going to use it this week. It'll be all right. But it's one of my favorites because it is this miracle that Jesus performs with a very insufficient amount of food, but he's able to feed multitudes. Let's read about it here in Matthew 14 as Jesus works one of his most famous miracles. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. We're in Brunswick, Ohio and all the pizza joints are closed. Jesus, how are we going to feed these people? They say, send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. You see the disciples are telling Jesus, like, get these people out of here. Send them out. And Jesus replies to the disciples, they do not need to go away. You Give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And they say, what? All we have here are five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. Now last week we learned that this representation of Jesus feeding the masses in the wilderness and the remote places would have pointed those believers to Moses who fed people in the wilderness with manna from heaven. God provided manna from heaven to feed those people, but there's a big difference between how God provided back then and how Jesus was going to provide now, and the big difference is that he invited the disciples with the little that they had to become a part of the miracle. And he invites each of us to do the same. Today, you see, five loaves and two fish would not be a sufficient amount of food to even feed the people here in Polaris Christian Church today. But Jesus doesn't let you just lob excuses of insufficiency. He says, no, no, no. Bring it to me. Bring me the little that you have. Jesus, there's a lot of people here. They're hungry for your word. Maybe they're going through something in life. They need to hear something. I don't have the answers. I don't know what I'm going to do in one week of study and preparation to, to give them a sermon that's going to change their lives. He goes, nah, uh -uh. give it to me and let me do it. Let me do it. When you were in school, did you pack your lunch or did you buy? Who was a packer? Packers in the room, Others, the rich folks bought. It's okay, we love you too. 
I love you. I was a packer. My dad would pack me lunches, and sometimes, man, I'd get like dry bologna sandwiches. Yeah, that was the worst, wasn't it? The worst. Sometimes it was like late in the grocery week, right? So like the apple was brown. I ain't eating that. I don't know where that's been, man. Now I pack my kids' lunches. And so I have a little different perspective of like what I'm entrusting them with. And you know, like, hey, how was lunch today? That's all right. Oh, you threw that away, didn't you? Threw it away. Yeah, I threw it away. Like that hurts, man. I spent all that time in the morning packing your lunch with care. I thought you'd like cucumbers. <laughs> but you threw it away. What if that little boy in this story with the five loaves and two, I hate fish, by the way. Like if, if dad packed me fish, it was getting tossed. Two fish on top of that? How hungry is this kid, by the way? Let's go. Five loaves, two fish. What if you'd have thrown it away? What if you'd have lost track of it? What if, because it was such a remote place, he protected it? But he didn't. He didn't. He knew that five loaves and two fish couldn't do anything, couldn't make a dent in a crowd the size that they had. But Jesus said, give it to me. Watch what Jesus does here. He directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. If you have just a little bit today, that's enough for Jesus to use. And if you'll give it to him in big time faith, Jesus, here you go. It's not much, but here you are. Watch how he takes the little bit that you have. He gives thanks for it. He's grateful for it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he can feed multitudes with the insufficient things that you have in your life. What kind of lunch do you have? What did dad pack in your lunch today? Don't throw it away. Don't throw it away. Somebody's hungry and they're waiting for you to offer your little bit to Jesus so that they can feast, so that they can eat. When I was in my residency at River Tree, uh, Pastor Jeremy Redman, he told me many things. Uh, but this one always stuck with me. He said this. He said, don't let your inability to do for all impede your decision to do for one. And so maybe you are surrendered and you're like, okay, I'm going to give it to Jesus. But you're still like, there's no way it's going to feed many people. And maybe it doesn't. But what if it fed one? You know, everyone can't reach everyone, but everyone can reach someone. And maybe the talent that you have or the gift that you've been trusted with to steward, maybe somebody in your life is watching you and waiting on you to invite them or to use it, to relate with them, to connect with them. Whatever we do, let's do it for the one, for one. Let's surrender. One is enough. One is enough for me to sing and to preach and to pray. Anything, any talent that you've been given, one, one person, 
taking one more step closer in their friendship with Jesus, wouldn't that be worth it? So lastly, maybe it's not insecurity that's keeping you sidelined. Maybe it's not an inadequacy. Maybe it's not insufficiency. And this might relate to everybody here, but maybe it's just inopportunity. You know, maybe it's just my calendar's packed, right? We got curriculars on top of the curriculars and the extracurriculars, too, on top of that. We got stuff going on. I work 60 hours a week. Got four kids. They're all in sports. They're all doing their thing, and I love that. Maybe you're not as good as you once were. Maybe you're a little older now. Right? Maybe you feel like, ah, my best days are behind me. Not many people are going to relate to me now. A little old, I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride in. Maybe you feel too young. Maybe you're like, eh, nobody's ever really asked my advice before. I'm kind of young, I'm learning. But I just want to throw all those excuses out the window. Because a couple of the Bible heroes that we read about, Noah, he was 500 years old when he started building that ark. So if you're under the age of 500, I expect you to serve at Polaris Christian Church. We'll find a place for you. King Josiah, he was was crowned king of the nation at age eight. We're not not crowning any eight-year-olds around here, okay? But, But we'll find a place for them to serve. What I'm saying is your age, the time, It's not an excuse to not use the gifts that you've been entrusted with. Listen to what Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 9. As he's getting ready to perform another miracle, he says, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. If you're still here, it's on purpose, with purpose. And you and I are now the reflection of Jesus. We are to be salt and we are to be light. While we are here, it is time for us to do good works. The Apostle Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, Paul tells you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now. There's no time like the present. I'm going to invite the band to come back up for one last song. And I just want to again say, like, right now there's people who are hungry for truth. They're hurting, they're hungry for hope, they're hungry for life, and it's getting late. Don't be one that says, Jesus, you need to send them away. Don't sit back thinking that somebody else is going to do it. In a church this size, we can get to that point where it's like, ah, they don't need me, they've got enough people, we need you. We need you, and there's a place for you to serve. And if there's not yet, come see me, and we'll find a place, because your gift matters. Use the talents that God entrusted you with for his kingdom, and don't let the insecurity or inadequacy or insufficiency or inopportunity convince you to bury your gift. Share them with Jesus. Watch him bless it, break it, and feed many. Will you stand and go to prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for inviting us to bring our little to you and being a part of the miracle. God, I pray as we take inventory personally of ourselves that we will look to see how much you've gifted us with and be grateful for those things. And God, I pray that we'll be bold enough to step out into uh, the unknown for you, knowing that there's nothing better than the abundant life found 
in serving your son, Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.